G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. You might have heard of a somewhat macabre-sounding exhibition in Sydney that is intended to run for the rest of this year, or at least most of this year. It's called Real Bodies, The Exhibition. Some Christian groups have got real concerns about the exhibition that's trying to attract school groups and even church groups. And on display are 20 human bodies and around 200 body parts which have gone through a process called plastination to preserve them indefinitely. But where did they get the bodies? The origins of the bodies are being questioned and whether the operators of the exhibition have the right death certificate verification for the bodies and the idea that the exhibition may be profiting from the display of bodies without permissions. And deeper still, are these the bodies of Chinese political prisoners? A lot of questions that might surround this exhibition Trevor Grace is director of All Lives Equal and he's just returned home to Adelaide from Sydney where he has been over this past week protesting outside the real bodies, the exhibition. And I want to make a special welcome to Trevor Grace. Hello Trevor, welcome to 2020. Hello. Yes, hello Neil. Thank you very much for having me on your show. Uh, Trevor, you only arrived back yesterday to your home in Adelaide. We're talking to you from Adelaide today, but you've been in Sydney. Uh, Describe for us what sort of protest, uh, what it looked like, and the sorts of people who were a part of the protests. Well, originally uh, there was around about 40 people. We were standing outside the exhibition, which is in the uh, about four kilometres from the middle of Sydney, which is called Fox Studios. And we were actually moved out to the footpaths because evidently it was private property where the exhibition was on, uh, was being displayed. And uh, so the group moved out and virtually we're on the footpath now. We've been sort of moved right out and we're sort of protesting along there with signs, with uh, placards, with anything you know, we can do with uh, flyers. Um, we're offering people flyers, you know, information regarding the exhibition, what it's really about. We will talk to them. Um, there's been many people come up to us as they're going in and they are really, you know, they've paid their money to go in and uh, they listen to the story and they don't go in. Some do go in, though, some, you know, groups of people, some couples go in and individuals go in, but many didn't go in. Um, there's also other entrances to the exhibition around near a park area where we haven't had anybody around there but um, yes it's been uh, an interesting affair for the last you know sort of 10 days that I've been there had the police there the security guards there always pushing us out onto the the footpath never on never allowed to go on the private property even if you want to go to the toilet you have to cover up and um, the group the main group which uh, is there or who really started this would be the Fulungun, which is a 
uh, a group. Not too many people know about them. And it's hard to say, well, in one sense, it's not a religious group because they're individuals. But in one sense, if you want to say, if you want to boil it down, they're very much like a, a Buddhist meditation group. It's good to talk about this because you're a Christian and the organisation you're a director of is All Lives Equal, a pro-life organisation, the connection there with Pregnancy Help SA. And, of course, there you are standing on the footpath and not everybody standing alongside you is Christian. They're coming from this Falun Gong uh, group and, and, and what others? Who else is part of this sort of protest? Well, to tell the truth, not too many other people. It's really only Fulungun and ourselves, my wife and myself went over there. We were very moved by when we read the article, which is Tuesday week ago now, in the uh, in the news, it didn't really tell you much about it. It just said there was a bit of contention about it and there was a, a doctor who made a, a comment in there saying that it is, uh, you know, they were flagging that that some of the uh, exhibits, if you want to call them that, display were likely and more than likely uh, from murdered um, either Fulungun or um, Christian, the church, uh, the house church group, or Tibetans. And uh, we were very moved by that regarding, you know, how could they, on earth, can they put out these bodies? Virtually what the bodies look like is that the skin and the fat, you know, you can just see the the tendons and the muscles of it, and how can anybody be stripped of all their skin and that uh, after they're being killed and, and put on display, as you said in the intro, a macabre way of doing it, of, you know, they're just standing there naked, perhaps they're playing chess, they put them in different poses, perhaps running, you know, in this, uh, they're about to sprint off, this pose like that, or playing basketball. And so, you know, it's just a, a shocking, appalling situation where... People would actually put on, you know, put corpses up there of these people. And so we were moved. And particularly what Jesus tells us, you know, regarding when he was asked, what's the greatest commandment? And he, he responded, you know, love the Lord thy God with heart, mind, soul, and strength. And he said also, that's the first. But he said, the second, which is like this, he says, love your neighbor as yourself. And we thought, look, we've got to go over there. We've got to do something to show these people that, you know, these Fulham Gooden people um, who are going to be there. Because my wife contacted uh, one of the, um, the the head spokesperson or spokeswoman uh, for that uh, group. And uh, you have to understand, Fulham Gooden is sort of decentralised. What I mean by that, they don't have a church or temple. They just practice. Um, this uh, meditation and they would do it by themselves and sometimes they don't you know like many of the members or who came out or followers of Fulungun don't even know each other who are out in this protest and they've just heard about it and you know word gets around to each other and they you know, come along to the protest and uh, that's how we met them and we were urging before we went over there a few days beforehand we were urging the Christian churches in Sydney, my wife wrote to all of them and gave them information, um, you know, showed them the pictures and all these things. And um, sadly, 
Um, got one response. <laughs> okay. Response. Trevor, honour yeah. to you and your wife. And you've shared with us there your motivation for being there. You recognise, mm. you know, loving the Lord our God with all our heart and all our mind and our strength. Uh, mm. And the second commandment that Jesus said, uh, loving your neighbour as yourself. Sometimes we think our neighbour yeah. is just our Christian neighbour, but uh, yeah. you're out there on the street and protesting uh, something that may actually be uh, a result of persecution of other neighbours. And when we talk about Falun Gong, uh, that is something that not too many people are aware of and uh, some detail that I might be able to just fill listeners in on. Uh, a modern Chinese spiritual practice uh, combines meditation and exercise and moral philosophy. Uh, it identifies with uh, the Buddhist school, though the teaching also incorporates some elements from the Taoist traditions. Now, back to the mid-1990s, the Communist Party in China and public security organisations increasingly viewed Falun Gong as a potential threat due to its size. And that's where that persecution comes in. From what you've been able to glean from people who you've been standing on the street with, Trevor, uh, that's something of a, a very brief uh, little history, put something in context here for listeners. But, uh, but what sort of concerns did those Falun Gong members on the street have and what did they share with you? Well, the reality is, I mean, yes, we can read these things and we can see how it exploded as in the Falun Gong um, practice with uh, the individuals over in China, exploded in the 90s. And to get it in context, 100 million, um, which is one-thirteenth uh, of the size of the population of China, so one-thirteenth, were practising this. And uh, even officials were practising it. So what happened in 1999, a clampdown, you know, well, a purge, really, from the, uh, from the Communist Party against Fulungun, and the purge was, this is virtually what it was, to destroy them, to annihilate them, and to ban them completely, you know, to annihilate them from China. And uh, the way they were doing it was to uh, um, uh, virtually, what would you say, to um, take away their finances, to uh, slander them in any way they could, and also to kill them, to imprison them, to kill them. And talking to the, the members or the followers of Fungun uh, on the streets, many of them were practising that in China and they, they fled and um, their families, because, see, it's a practice that you can do by yourself and even if you're practising it by yourself, your family member can, um, can tell the authorities and you, will, and you will end up going to prison. And so even if children saw their parents doing it, practicing this in their home, practicing this somewhere, they could tell the authorities and their parents would be taken away or the parent would be taken away. Or friends, friends, neighbors would dog um, others in. And so it's a real purge uh, for this uh, group. But it's not only the Fulham Gun. I have to um, make this clear is that what we're not understanding, what I've understood of this as well, is that there's house churches and Tibetans and others, people of faith over there, there's been a, a, a great clampdown, particularly in the last couple of months. And as you've probably known, your listeners would know, even the Bible has been uh, banned there online. They, they can't get it. And there's a, a clampdown on that. 
And so the people who I was speaking to are in great fear of this and that even people from China, spies from China, come over and tell the government, uh, the Chinese government, what is going on over in Australia here. So all these people on the street there are now marked and their family members have got them back and they knew this before they are going to protest, they can be in serious trouble. So it's not only yourself if you're practising uh, Fulungun, uh, and it would be to apply to house uh, Christians as well, um, but your uh, family and relatives and even friends can be persecuted because you know, you're involved with this. There's something here that we don't want to uh, miss because parallel to this rise of the Falun Gong movement in China, of course, also is the rise of the house church movement and with estimates that the house church Christian movement in China may be actually as big as Falun Gong. And uh, and so we're talking, you know, 70 to 100 million and uh, even more by the way that some people estimate the numbers of Christians in China. So this is an interesting uh, parallel here to draw because the Falun Gong members have been arrested and put into these re-education, sometimes concentration camps treated very badly, uh, even to the point of forced labour, psychiatric abuse, torture, and being even put to death. And this is what this sort of freedom of association issue under a communist regime brings, uh, that uh, you don't have freedom of association if you're in a group that might be outlawed. And that, of course, mm. uh, encapsulates some of the fears that Christians have uh, with the house church movement now that there is a clampdown that's happening in China. So there is a parallel here, isn't there? And uh, coming back to these bodies, because we don't want to, we don't want to miss the, uh, the clarity here, uh, Trevor, the bodies that are on display... The concern is that there is no documentation as to where those bodies come from, and the fear is that they may actually come from persecuted minorities like Falun Gong and perhaps even Christian minorities in China. Is that the concern? Exactly. Now, what they're saying when people go into the exhibition and what they've said to the media, and mind you, the media has been uh, sponsoring this as well, the Daily Telegraph and others, and to, to get them to tell the, the full story is always it's quite difficult. And so what they're saying, they're stating they're unclaimed bodies, but they can't be unclaimed bodies because you can't do the plastination process uh, after 30 days. It has to be done within 48 hours. You need fresh bodies. So that's number one lie. And we've pointed this out again and again. And another a serious problem is is when any human body or body part is being shown on exhibition, wherever, it has to have the person's name and the cause of death. And this has not been uh, applied to any of these bodies. And we've had a number of doctors who have gone in there out of purely out of interest to see if they were showing these exhibits in a legal manner, and they haven't been. And the third thing is, is consent. There is no authorization of consent for the person who's giving their body. Like in any country, a person would have to give their consent. Yes, I, I want to give this to this company or you know, medical science or whatever. But no, there is no authorization of the, uh, the display, the exhibit, the person, the body has ever been uh, consented by the person who's lost their life and all their family. 
Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Talking about a rather macabre exhibition in Sydney, it's called Real Bodies, The Exhibition. Our guest is Trevor Grace, the director of All Lives Equal, a pro-life organisation. And we're talking about some of the ethics surrounding the display of dead bodies that have come from China. Uh, we're going to take some calls on one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. You might like to join in our conversation. Let's take a call from Shelby in Brisbane. Hello, Shelby. Welcome along. Yeah. Good morning, Neil. Good morning, Trev. Um, mate, um, I have a question. And some time ago, it was a year or two, maybe a little longer, in the middle of um, the town square outside the city hall in Brisbane, there was a display by the Falun Gong, and I was just amazed. They uh, were showing. What the, what the uh, Chinese government were doing and secretively um, torturing people. They, if someone was speaking up against the Chinese regime, they would come in, take that person, then take all their family, then take all their relatives, then take all their friends and torture them to make sure that they farmed them all out. Um, are you aware of this uh, situation going on? Uh, Trevor, your thoughts for Shelby? Yes, very much aware of that. I know there's been a few protests around. They're trying to obviously create uh, attention and give people information what's going on. I mean, it's a dire situation in China, you know, and, um, you know, there's no, no excuse for really not knowing. I mean, because they try to get this out, but the media won't go near it. And we can only, and, and politicians won't go near it. And so we're saying, well, what's really going on here? What, why aren't they... Well, we can say, on the surface at least, is that there's too much money to be had uh, with our relations, political relations with uh, China. So the government officials are very coy about doing anything. And um, so they don't, they don't want to look into anything which is happening overseas. But as you're, you're right, this has been going on for a long time. There's so much documented evidence. There's Canadians, MPs and human rights activists who've got this over 24,000 uh, reports um, that this sort of thing's been going on. So we're, we're, we're really without excuse for not really uh, elevating and uh, getting the information about this uh, out. Shelby, thank you so much for your call. Our talkback line open on one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. It opens even a bigger and broader issue as you uh, deliver that response Trevor, the idea that governments turn a blind eye to human rights abuses uh, in the interests of protecting trade and relationships. In other words, uh, you can treat people badly as long as we're uh, earning a few dollars in trade. It is one of those things that creates a big ethical discussion, doesn't it, as to how Christians think about how governments relate one to another. Well, that's right. And we know just a couple of years ago that uh, Greens MP, now we might not be all Greens supporters, but um, I agree with them on this. They wanted to show, or David Shoebridge in New South Wales, he wanted to show uh, a film regarding the organ trading, the live organ trading uh, over in, or harvesting over in China to MPs. And they all received a letter from the Chinese co- uh, consul over here in um and it stated to some, some effect that um, by going to watch this film, uh, they will jeopardise uh, the China and Australia relationship, which they are enjoying at the moment. So it was really a threat. And there's another huge ethical issue in the issue of organ donation. 
Uh, and, of course, the fears that go on from that that lead to the idea of organ harvesting. And if organ harvesting is taking place, whose organs are being harvested? Where did they come from? And it brings us back again to those persecuted minorities like Falun Gong or potentially even Christians uh, who may be undergoing re-education processes in concentration camps and, hey, no one will miss them. Let's harvest their organs. We can make a profit on that. Uh, This whole idea of organ harvesting, this has been something you've been talking about of recent times too, Trevor. Uh, What are your concerns that organ harvesting actually is happening and it's happening with those uh, persecuted minority groups? Well, as you say, it is definitely happening and... uh Generally, the world is turning, well, most of the world is turning a blind eye. But there are countries who uh, are stopping it, as in they won't let their citizens go over. And that's the United States, um, China, uh, uh, I was going to say, United States and Israel, Sweden, France. And, um, yeah, um, Australia is still involved with it. And uh, what can happen, I'll give you an idea, and and particularly the other Asian countries, uh, people can just go over to China Within even on their websites, they were stating some of these uh, comments have been pulled down, but some are still up. Within a week, you can have a, an organ transplant, and as you know, in Australia, it would take for a liver or a heart, especially it would take two to three years, and you might not even get a, a donor who's going, to, you know, which is suitable to yourself. But over in Ch- if you went over in China, and some of the people, these Fulungun people, were telling me. That within hours, perhaps even four hours after you arrive off that plane, you can get a new liver or whatever you want if you've got enough money. But the uh, the hospitals, there's probably over a thousand involved, maybe more. And this has all been uh, well documented um, that they are um, officiating. That this is systematic. This is uh, happening, and it's widespread in China. And so there's no denying it. And uh, Australian citizens are going over, and um, unfortunately. And it's costing someone else their life. Mind you, uh, when they have a liver transplant and things like this, it's not just one person they take it from over there and kill and kill them, particularly for the heart. It can be a, a multiple of people because sometimes, as one doctor pointed out from China who was involved with this, he said on average for a liver, for example, it is around about three people. They prepare three kidneys or livers or something like that for that person who's getting a transplant. And sometimes the transplant might not work, so they are entitled to, you know, because they paid the money, a um, not a, so much as a refund, but another um, heart or liver in place of that one. So the people. Yeah. It's also disturbing to hear all of this. And nobody pretends that it's an easy ethical uh, dilemma to resolve because you have this idea that uh, you can preserve your life if you get the organ transplant. So you go to another country uh, where they're offering organs, even though you may even realise they've been harvested, and you take the organ and you prolong your life. But isn't that almost like the ultimate form of racism, uh, that uh, you might think that someone else's life is worth so little uh, in in order to preserve your own, I mean, there is a certain sense here, and uh, and we're talking about people prolonging their lives. But uh, in the lead up to the news, only about a minute and a half away, your thoughts on that idea? It is a, a racist practice, isn't it, uh, to to use the the life of someone from another nation to preserve your own? 
Oh, very, very much so. It is racist. But I, look, there's people who probably do it to their own... In China, you can do it to your own people. So in other words, the Chinese, uh, if someone needs a heart though, or, or cornea, it can be a, a, an eye, whatever, um, they can just uh, you know go there themselves. So regarding racism, I know, I think desperate people do desperate things. One Israeli doctor, he commented that uh, his patient, he needed a, a liver and he would have had to wait a year and he came in to his practice one day and said, look, I'm getting my liver in, in a week. And he said, where are you going? And the person said, China. And he said, you know how they're going to get it. And he said, I know, but I want to live. Trevor, let's take some more calls. Lots of people wanting to get through on this issue. Chris is in Victoria. Hello, Chris. Welcome along. Chris, are you with us? Chris, we don't have Chris. Let's try Wendy in Lithgow in New South Wales. Hello, Wendy. Welcome along. Hi, Neil. And hi, Trevor. Good morning. Good morning to you, Wendy. What are your thoughts on our conversation? I just had a quick question um, because I've just been listening to an introduction and all that. I did hear about Falun Gong a few years ago. There was an artist or someone um, being arrested, and but not since. But all, my question was, like I used to live in Wallara for a while, and um, I just wondered, as all these issues have been raised that you've just been talking about, about the illegalities and the, you know, possible um, where the bodies came from and all. Surely the council must be held to account and is there some way you can actually approach the council because it really shouldn't be going on? <laughs> uh, no, that's a, that's a good point. Uh, let's get a response from Trevor. The sort of people that you've been in touch with and that the other protesters have been in touch with, has that included the council? Well, we try on every avenue. The council, uh, over in the United States, they did a similar thing where the council actually uh, did have the power to get rid of them. And we don't know the situation with uh, with this, but we've been told from you know legal, from various lawyers, that these people have got a very good contract. It was really the Australian um, depart- or health department that allowed them in the first place. And we really will, I guess we're approaching everybody that we can. Uh, to do something so you know we just it's just a matter of time i guess you know god willing that uh, it will close down but it does bear the light on the other things what we've been mentioning what's been happening overseas as well wendy did you have another insight about councils and the power that they might have to restrict this sort of exhibition well it's a very high profile council <laughs> there and fox um Studios. I haven't been there, but you know, I know about it. Of course, um, it's very high profile too. So, I mean, I think there def- definitely should be because um, I know they they always try and block anything like um, you know anti um, any Christian moves or anything that might be against gay marriage or all that sort of thing. And it's always on the news. As I said, it's very high profile. So I can't, uh, you know, I can't understand why they shouldn't be able to do something, especially as it's private property, you know, and the council has very, you know, um, great abilities in that area, in the city. Okay. And, um, All right. Well, Wendy, thank you so much for your insight and for your uh, question, your input today here on 2020. Uh, we're taking calls 1-800-316-316. You might like to join in our conversation. Let's hear from Janine in Dolby in Queensland. Hello, Janine. Welcome along. Yes, uh, hello, Neil and Trevor. 
Um, I just wanted to ask you, Trevor, um, I had heard rumours that um, organ harvesting was going on in Thailand as well, mm-hmm. and um, my husband's uh, dear friend, Tony Rose, um, who used to visit us at the Baptist Theological College in Queensland, um, went to Thailand and disappeared, never been mm-hmm. seen again. And uh, that was always mm-hmm. my thought, you know, was he... You know, possibly he was, you know, on a, a, a visa, living there for a while. He went to live there for a while. Interesting way that you can phrase all of that and concerns there for missing persons because uh, when we talk about political prisoners, uh, there's also this idea of abduction and uh, becoming a missing person and what might have happened to that individual. Uh, your thoughts, Trevor? Yes, look, it's not um, just China, but China has been, it's, it's virtually... Uh, become you know so systematic and there's you know it's well documented as I pointed out before perhaps even regarding the organ donations up to a hundred thousand a year now that sounds incredible but there's enough information to say that um, verifiable etc and uh, but also we're aware that it's happening around the world in Middle East you know in Africa you know Thailand and all these other places as well um, but not on the scale um, what is happening in China because they've got this, they've got a massive amount, if you want to call them, um, a, a data, a data bank of all these people of the, it's like, as I said before, it's a purge on the Fulham Gun and, and as well as the, the house churches and particularly now the big crackdown and the Tibetans, etc., and these uh, minority groups. So, you know, I imagine this is just exploding more in China, and they have very you know, little regard to to life at all. And uh, what we see, this is really a new form of evil that the world has never seen anything like this before. And we're familiar with um, the rise of Nazism over in Germany in the in the 30s and 40s, but nothing on a scale like this as well is happening. Janine from Dolby, thank you for your call and I know there'll be listeners who will certainly sympathise with the idea of a friend disappearing and uh, while we can't jump to conclusions, uh, there certainly must be a possibility. Janine, thank you so much for your call. Let's take another call. Alex is in North Queensland. We're taking calls 1-800-316-316 if you'd like to join in this conversation. Alex in North Queensland, welcome along. Going. Very well, Alex. I, uh, my wife was reading that in China, one girl went out to a party or dance or something. Anyway, she met up with a nice bloke and went back to the room and they uh, kiss and cuddle as normal. Anyway, she woke up hours later with a phone beside her and a number and in a bathtub <coughs> and she'd lost the kidney. And they said, uh, call this number, but don't get out of the bathtub. Um, she was absolutely shocked, my wife. Uh, uh, that's sort of harvesting life. These are very disturbing stories when you hear this sort of thing. Uh, and, of course, what we're talking about with the potential for these bodies in this uh, exhibition uh, may be an extreme of what you're uh, suggesting here. Uh, some thoughts for Alex from you, Trevor. Yes, well, look, nothing surprises me now for the last, you know, sort of 10 days what I've been listening to. Look, again, there's enough evidence to say that, you know, similar things probably do happen 
Um, but we've even got there's doctors and police officials have testified and been, you know, sort of had their, um, you know, their comments documented, etc. But they are in fear as well that they can't say anything because they, you know, their families will be persecuted and uh, they will, as you say, you know, as your previous caller said, so, you know, they, they could easily disappear as well. And this is what happens quite easily. Uh, so it's quite scary what's happening. And, you know, there's, look, this is a situation when people think of, um, you know, sort of donating a, an organ, you think of anaesthetic and things like that, but they don't have any anaesthetic. There's, um, you know, these people, when they're killed, they're killed without any anaesthetic. They're just uh, brought in, put on a table, and generally there's two surgeons. You know, there's a, a junior and a senior, and they're generally watched by a police official, and they come from behind the person. I mean, obviously the person's heart rate would be immense, but the reason why they don't give it any anaesthetic, an, an antiseptic is because, um, well, it would damage the the vital organ that they want. That's what they're in fear of. And they don't even want to get the uh, the person to be overly anxious and disturbed. So um, there's n new methods of uh, killing them now, as the electric shock in the, the skull, in the temple area. Um, and uh, they just, yeah, they were just, um, you know, generally, they would just go into the heart and that while, they're still, while their heart's still beating and everything. And it's so, you know, people have been, you know, as some of the police reports have said, officials have um, mentioned in their witness statements saying that these uh, people who uh, they've taken out organs were, you know, yelling out and crying out uh, to these people. So it's just shocking. Mm. Okay. Uh, well, Alex in North Queensland, thank you so much for your call. And our conversation has grown into... Uh, a conversation about organ harvesting. We, of course, are talking about 20 human bodies and around 200 body parts which are on display at the Real Bodies, the exhibition uh, being held in Sydney uh, right now and questions over where the bodies came from, uh, the origins of the bodies. It's being questioned and whether the operators of the exhibition have the right death certificate verification for the bodies and it appears that they don't. Otherwise, we might not be having this conversation and the idea that the exhibition may be profiting from the display of bodies without permission. And deeper still, are these the bodies of Chinese political prisoners? And we began talking about the organisation Falun Gong and also uh, the potential, and uh, this has been a discussion on this program uh, one or two times in the past about whether, in fact, Ch uh, Chinese Christians uh, being held as political prisoners may also be involved in this. But uh, we are taking calls, 1-800-316-316. Let's take another one. Liam is in Melbourne. Hello, Liam. Welcome along. Uh, hello. Look, uh, I'm wondering, listening to your, your program, how do we get our politicians in the wider public, the secular public, to take note of this. I know you said earlier on it was all regarding money and trade and so they don't want to speak about it, but, you know, we all know this is completely wrong and it is going on. How do we get it out to our wider public and the politicians? Okay, Trevor, your response for Liam in Melbourne. Well, I, I think that as Christians we should be you know, sort of targeting this, we should be sort of yelling this out on the from the rooftops. And as I said in the intro, I mean, these people are my neighbours. I know they, you know, we live in a global world now. They're very close to us. And 
these people even who I've uh, met with over the week, they, they've fled from that situation. They've got family members. Uh, they live in fear of what's going on over there. So the sad thing is, is that, as I said before, when we contacted all the churches in uh, Sydney, specifically to, to go out and try to help these people, to, because a lot of the people who go into the exhibition are English-speaking, and these people, very poor in their English, because they've come out as refugees, etc., of the situation over there. And so we need to get alongside of them to start with. And generally, as Christians, unfortunately, we see that, oh, this is a religious group and we have nothing to do with them. We should be trying to understand them and have discussion with them. I had many opportunities to discuss my faith uh, the Christian faith and the gospel. I gave them straight out the gospel. I had dinner with a couple of them, uh, well, probably around about four or five of them, plus uh, one woman even gave her a Bible. She was very interested in what I was telling her. So it's, it's very important for us to, to actually take note of them and to get into discourse with uh, Pulungun as well. But as you're saying, we should be you know, sort of speaking this out in the churches. Why aren't we talking about this? Because these people are in our neighbourhoods as well, in our cities, who've, who've been persecuted as part of that. And for the light of me, I don't understand, is that even if we're not concerned about Pulungun, who, who we should be, these, these people, because they're just people, and Tibetans and that, who we you know, cross paths with you know, in our travels and that, we should be concerned with our brothers and sisters over in China. And if we're not prepared to do that, it shows you the indictment on the, uh, the Christians in Australia. I think sometimes we like to be too comfortable. So we have to you know, sort of get out of this complacency and start you know, lobbying politicians you know, and be you know, a collective force for doing this and coming up, up with our own you know, skits on the streets and things like that, as one caller mentioned, is that you know, we can do enactments of this, what, what is happening. And when you start seeing it and start talking to these people, I, I was very fortunate because in Adelaide, in Chinatown, I do a street wit witnessing and preaching as well, just um, with, with a few other people, the Chinese people, we you know, play the guitar, etc. And near us is a stand, a Fulungun stand, and we, we discuss things with them. You know, in all honesty, we're trying to convert them, but, um, you know, give us literature and things like that. Um, but, uh, you know, we need to know and get to understand uh, these people and also be, be think a bit more broadly about this, that there's Christians being persecuted in China and this is happening to them. Okay, Liam in Melbourne, thank you so much for your question, for your input. And uh, there's obviously more to to unpack with uh, what we do, how you move forward, how you raise the voice of the uh, minorities who may be persecuted because there may be Christian minorities persecuted as well. Uh, time's running short. Let's take one more call. Jason is in Moralbark. Hello, Jason. Welcome along. Good afternoon. How are you? Good morning, man. How are you? Very well. Uh, thank we you, Jason. Have, what are your thoughts? To, I agree with the previous caller, and I say we need to, we need to do what we can for our fellow brothers and sisters in China. And I believe murder is a sin. It is because in the Ten Commandments is you shall not murder. And when we see those murdered bodies, it is supporting this absolute abhorrent sin. 
Jason, absolutely calling it as it is. And uh, so when we talk about the idea of murder, when we're connecting the Ten Commandments here, Trevor, as Jason has just uh, very, very cleverly done, uh, what is your thoughts? And, I mean, I, I can imagine you getting a little emotional about this. Oh, I would. When, when I was outside the exhibit, I can see these great big uh, exhibits, you know, around about oh, perhaps 20 metres high and, you know, 30 metres wide and that posters all around the place and you know you know that these are living people who have been you know ripped apart and uh, it, it really does bring tears to your eyes because we know that those who you know for us here for those who don't respect the dead how on earth can we respect the living either and you know to know that this is going on and you know it's a it's a big discussion but basically it, it boils down to that if we know that they are murdering, and we know that they are murdering these people, and there's enough evidence to say they are murdering them, because where the prisons are, there's three prisons, and where the plastination factory is, is right next to this, two of them, right next to the prisons. And it's like this, they're going out from the prisons and they have to get into the plastination plants very quickly and uh, for their bodies and their body parts. And it's just a shocking situation. And there's a, again, there's enough documentation to say it's happening. And uh, even the, I should add here, I'm just looking at a quote from Tom Zeller, who's the CEO of Imagine Exhibitions. He even said there's no documentation. He, it's a quote. And he, he said that absolutely from China. And okay. we're not holding them to account. And our, particularly our government has let us down in this. But we are letting ourselves down if we don't rally to say something and protest about this. And if I would just add, too, that the, um, the displays in there, there's a whole lot. And what, uh, a group of women came out yesterday and they were talking to my wife who helps pregnancy support and that. And the doctor who was amongst them went in because they didn't see us because we were out on the footpath on one side. They come in from another side, a small path. And uh, she said there was a whole display of unborn babies all intact, and she said as a doctor, no woman would ever give her baby up for something like this. No woman. And so this is the, this is the macabre, as we said originally, situation of the whole appalling you know, matter of this. And it should be shut down. Um, and if I could say that there, we've got a website up called change.org, and it's shut down, Real Bodies Exhibition, Sydney, Australia. So you can go on that. You can also write to your politicians, you can write to the art ministers, uh, and you can write to Turnbull, but really speak, talk to your churches about it and see what you can do, because this, as um, you said, Neil, this exhibition is up until October, and if we don't close it down, it's really, it's incredible that as Christians, we, we're allowing this to, to be up. Yes, as long as it remains open and assuming that everything we've been talking about is in fact legitimate and it's true and as you say, where you've got the plastination plant next to the prison and uh, political prisoners going missing, uh, missing the idea of uh, using those minority groups uh, to uh, harvest organs. I mean, is, if all of this is true... Uh, then we are really uh, obliged to take some sort of action. And uh, whatever action that might be uh, is, uh, is something that is so necessary for us to take. And as Christian believers, we can't just sit around and not make a noise about some of these things. 
there is this, as we talk about, you know, being carriers of a message of reconciliation, uh, preachers of the gospel. Along with that comes a resistance to evil and also the creation of the culture around us. Uh, these things are so, so important. Uh, we won't take any more calls. Thank you so much to Jason from Moralbach uh, for an insightful uh, question there. Um, we are just uh, in the, the, the dying uh, moments of our conversation here, Trevor. All yes. lives equal. Uh, what will people see when they go onto your website? Uh, there more information there? Is there ways that you're suggesting people take action? Well, as I was saying, uh, not so much with All Lives Equal, but the the pro-life site and um, the sister side of that is uh, Pregnancy Health SA. So we're involved with helping pregnant women keep their babies uh, rather than abort them. But it's really the change, the change.org. And uh, if uh, your listeners can go into change.org and you can read a lot of um, information in there, um, the heading of that, is, uh, we've titled it Shut Down Real Bodies Exhibition Sydney, Australia. I'm sure if they go down and, and write, write in Real Bodies Exhibition, exhibition um, Petition, they'd even better get into it. And in there, it'll give you more information. The, um, you know, we've been putting it up over the past week and that. And really, you know, to yell this out from the rooftops and talk to, you know, the churches about it, it is something that you know, so left field to us generally as Christians, we don't think about, you know, sort of getting off our backside and helping, um, you know, particularly people from overseas like this. But again, as we've been pointing out, these are our brothers and sisters over in China. And, you know, a lot of them, you know, you would ask, why doesn't the Chinese churches over here help? Well, they're in fear too. Now, if they've got family members overseas um, and if they'd be caught doing this and protesting, They'd be in trouble. Their family members would be in trouble too. Mm. <clears throat> so. Trevor, we have run out of time, and uh, there is the challenge there. And for Sydney listeners, uh, you might be able to be in touch with a counsellor uh, who has uh, the uh, some insight, some uh, influence there when it comes to the council yes. uh, surrounding where the Fox Studios are, mm. uh, where the uh, where this uh, this. Uh, a display, this exhibition is being housed. There's also state politicians, federal politicians, and, of course, raising these sorts of things in the conversations around your local church. I mean, saying, what are you doing uh, with your life when it comes to some level of activism? There are people in every local church who will be dismayed that such a thing could happen and may well be uh, encouraged into some level of activity themselves if they know about how challenging these things are. Trevor Grace, Director of All Lives Equal, you mentioned change.org. Uh, you've also mentioned alllivesequal.org and then the connections too with the uh, the pregnancyhelpsa.com.au. Uh, Trevor, thanks so much for taking some time to share your thoughts and your heart with us today on 2020. You're welcome, Neil. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.